Hello, this is Adrian Hendricks. And Jerry Hendricks from Say One More Now Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities that dishonor human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God in human life than to reject his eternal salvation only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. We will hear the second part of a testimony that validates Psalm 107, verse 2, which says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. The testimony of our sister today echoes Psalm 139. To get an idea of what is said here, take some time later today and read this psalm written by the prophet King David. Then read it again, insert yourself, and think about the meaning of what you read. The world would be a much different place if we all realized that we live before an omnipotent, inescapable audience, and he is more aware of and able to meet our deepest needs than we are. Now we continue with The Deliverance of a Prodigal, Part 2. One night, I had to be rushed to the hospital. I was having an episode with maybe too much drugs or a bad batch of drugs because I was jerking and shaking uncontrollably and I wasn't breathing right. To them, it probably looked like I was having a seizure. The doctors and nurses were calling other hospital staff in the room to come watch me while they all mocked me and said things like, don't do drugs, kids. A main nurse or doctor who was assigned to me kept trying to trade me off with another dope addict, but she said that in different terms. She said, I'll trade you spice head for monkey dope, and these are street terms of some drugs. And I listened to her trade offers with other hospital staff as I tried to hold on to reality. She didn't want to be assigned to me, and I could very well see that. And then I heard the cold words, do we even have to let this one live? What is the point of saving her? Another woman who walked in the room laughed right in my face when she saw me as I was struggling and shaking and my body was jerking. And this is all while I felt as if I were struggling to stay alive. I never experienced such evil things before to this degree. Was there anyone out there who would show compassion on a miserable low person like myself? This was around the time I started calling out to God for help more and more intentionally. I remember that each time I went through something painful, I always thought of him as a last resort, and I didn't know for sure if he would even be there. I mean, I thought, wouldn't I know by now if he were someone I could know? After all this time, wouldn't it be different? Yet it was what my family had told me that remained with me. And for a while, I had also begun to have a grief in my heart for the way I treated my family. And I really began to see that I missed them. I longed to be with them. I had been away from them for so long. And my dad always sent me sweet texts that he loved me and he missed me, that he wanted me back home and that he was praying for me but I didn't want to break his heart any more than I already had. I was so ashamed of myself, so I I restrained myself from spending more time with them. Still, I longed for someone to comfort me. I needed release of this weight upon my shoulders. I really felt like I needed pity or someone to just hold me. I ran to someone else instead. One last person that I hadn't been to in quite some time and I thought surely they're they're gonna listen to me and they're gonna be there for me 
But when I came to their house and told them what was going on, they responded to me in such a monotone voice, saying I had really brought this upon myself and maybe it even needed to happen to me. And then they changed the subject. Then when I got upset about this and broke down, because they knew of my weakness, they were able to take advantage of me. They gained control of me and they pushed me around and pushed me back to my car, telling me to get away from them. They wanted me to leave. To me, it was as if everything in the whole universe had turned against me. I felt helpless and hopeless against a cold, cruel world that hated me and that was glad I was suffering. All this heartbreak became way too much for me and I couldn't take it and it pushed me to my dad. I wanted to see him. I wanted to hug him. I wanted him to be happy with me before I died. And when I went home, immediately he received me. He comforted me. He didn't judge or reprimand me about my lifestyle. He was just so happy I wanted to come home. He did ask me to go to church with him. He always asked me many times if I would. And now it was something that I was happy to do because I knew it would make him happy. And in a way, my heart was soft enough where now I wanted to hear what they would have to say at church because maybe they would have hope that I needed. Also, I knew it would be doing a good thing in God's eyes, and maybe this would be a sure way I wouldn't die and go straight to hell like, like I had been very afraid of. This was the biggest reason why I had been calling on the name of Jesus for quite some time in my life even times before this, because I knew by the path I chose, I was on the way to hell. But I knew with Jesus, or I heard that with Jesus, there can be forgiveness of sins. I didn't know how to pray really, so my prayers were just very short and making sure I said Jesus a lot, hoping that this meant if I died, I wouldn't go to hell. And now with going to church, I felt like I would definitely be pleasing not only my dad, but God. So it was a Friday night that I went back to the church I hadn't been to in years. It was a very small service. It wasn't even the main preacher that was there. In fact, it was someone who really isn't a preacher. But that night, they preached on the man with the withered right hand. I couldn't believe it. I, I just couldn't believe it. I had heard of David and Goliath. I heard of Jonah, but I never heard this was in the Bible. My right hand was the most withered part of my body. And at that point, it was almost completely immobilized where I could hardly move it at all. And this whole message, not even just that part, but the whole message was like it was speaking directly to me. Even though it wasn't, it was actually preached for tithing. <laughs> People think they have something to do with it. It's just God. That night, I left there wondering if it were a coincidence or not, but I had a tiny taste of something so powerful. I had tasted hope probably for the very first time in my life. And this is the time I began to really seek God. I wanted to believe him. I wanted to take him at his word about what he could do in my life. I also wanted to want him and I wanted to make sure that I was not just seeking him for something that he could do for me because somewhere in me I knew that it, it just had to be deeper than that. 
I wanted to make sure I was not seeking him for healing only or making it to heaven only. I wanted him to be pleased with me. Though I would try again many instances to feel him or hear him or have an experience in his presence like I had seen others have, still nothing would happen. I continued to use drugs and go back and forth from my dad's. I had developed a craving for more of the Word of God, so I took a little brown Bible from someone. I also downloaded a Bible app on my phone, and things written in the Bible began to really stand out to me and grab my attention. One of the first things I remember was about the heart. I really couldn't believe God spoke this way about our heart. I, I couldn't believe that the Bible confirms that inner part of us is called our heart. Something I wouldn't have thought God would understand or have written in his holy book. I thought only people like me would understand that or speak this way, but he was not too good or too holy to relate to us and even our language. It's like when he talks about the heart, it's like he takes what we feel in our heart serious. It's very important to him when our heart is broken and he gets it, what we really feel. In fact, it's the most important thing to him is what's going on on the inside of us. He's God. He's so high up, yet these things so low, so far beneath him, these hidden things, invisible to even our eyes, he sees and he wants to relate to. Even unholy people don't want to do that, but God himself, why would he? This was amazing to me. And so with this Bible app, every day a different verse would pop up on my phone screen and it would stay there all day until the next day and then it would change again. And I remember one day it was Jeremiah 29 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I remember when I read that verse, what stood out to me was the way God spoke, how it seemed so personal. And maybe I had heard this verse or seen this verse before, but it never stood out to me like this. Then at night, after seeing this verse all day on my screen, I returned to my dad's and though I had little hope now, I was still very full of fear and sadness about what was happening to me. I remember my dad was on the phone with one of his friends and when his friend knew that I was in the room, he told my dad to, to give me the phone, that he had a word from the Lord about me. My dad handed me the phone and his friend began to speak to me about what my future would be like, how I would be used by God. And that's when I broke down, I started crying. And I said, no, you don't understand. I don't have a future, I'm dying. And he answered me with a very strong voice. And he said, no, you will not die. And he quoted Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I couldn't believe it. How did he know? 
How did he know I had seen this verse all day on my screen that I was thinking about it? How did he know? But it was like he confirmed it, that it could really be speaking to me personally. And it almost gave me like a permission to believe it. I didn't fully recognize this time, but something was building here. Though I hadn't yet encountered God, something was changing. Hope was increasing. Faith was increasing. I even had the question going around in my head, what if God was going to heal me? What if God was going to set me free? What if I was going to find God after all these years, after all this time of my experience being never finding Him? What if even someone as far lost as I am could even be found by God in such a way that changes everything? One night, I was at a friend's house and we had all just done drugs together. I stepped onto the front porch and it was very dark outside and I began to just sit there and look and I didn't really know why and I didn't really know what I was looking for but I just began to look outside and I began to have visions or hallucinations maybe of the birth of Jesus happening in front of me and no matter how much I blinked or rubbed my eyes I could see the nativity scene forming in the darkness Eventually, I went back inside and nodded off to sleep. And that night I had a dream. The dream was I was in a hallway in a building and I was walking around and I was noticing many of my friends were in this hallway. And I began to walk up to them and try to speak to them. And I was saying, hi, hi, but they couldn't see me or even hear me. They were talking to each other and I would be waving to try to get their attention but it's like I wasn't there. I didn't exist. And then in the dream, I had this realization. I said, oh, I know what's going on here. I'm dead and they can't see me because I died. And I felt very sad. And that's when the dream transitioned and it went to this upper room of the building. And there was a dead child laying face down in a round pool of water, almost like what you would use to baptize someone in. And I remember a heavy-set woman was sitting next to the pool of water with her arms over it and she was weeping for the child. And then the dream transitioned again to the front of the pool and I saw the back of a man step in front of it with his hands up and he began to pray and declare over this child dead in the water. And that's when I saw this lifeless blue purple body of the child begin to rise out of the water and when their head was lifted they gasped in a deep breath as the blue and purple deadness turned to the color of flesh and life. And then the woman was jumping up and she began to dance and clap and rejoice because the child came to life. And that's when I woke up and it was very early in the morning. My friend and I left to get drugs. As we were on the way, I couldn't stop thinking about this dream and this feeling that came with it. I felt like it meant something. So finally, I couldn't hold it in and I told her about the dream. And when I finished telling her, her answer really surprised me. She said, you know, that reminds me of a baptism. I think you need to go to church. I couldn't believe it. I agreed with her. We also realized that that day was Sunday and my dad's church started late, so I still had time. 
So we did the drugs together, and then I dropped her off, and I went back to church. And it was a very similar thing to me like that first Friday when I went. I began to feel something, I guess. And when I would hear the word of God, it was like it was speaking to me. My heart was pulled to seek God more and more. And I was thinking, maybe there is a design in life, a meaning even. Maybe God is working in things and he's closer than I know. I was beginning to be so hungry to discover God. I saw a mystery at hand and I wanted to know more and more. During these days, it's like he was increasing my capacity to hear. At first, it was a very small voice, almost like my thoughts, in my mind, and it would tell me to do things. I began to listen, and one day in my car, I heard, take the Bible, open it, mark whatever page you open it to, and then close it and put it in your back seat. I thought I could be a little strange, but still I went ahead and did it, yet I forgot about it completely. Then one day, maybe a few weeks later, something devastating happened again, kind of like the way it had been before with some friends. I was sitting in the car crying so hard when I heard the still small voice come out of nowhere and say, now open to that page. I took the Bible, opened to the page I had marked, and it was a psalm. And this psalm was almost like a prayer that I would have written myself because every detail about it was everything I had just experienced. And I couldn't believe that had just happened to me like that. All of these things God was doing, all of these strange coincidences, these unexplainable signs that were happening, Every detail was leading up to one night in particular. And I would say this night was the best night of my entire life because I never believed anything like this could happen to me. In fact, I really wasn't so sure if things like this actually happened at all, though I had heard of it. When I would spend nights at my dad's, we would watch Christian movies together. One night, as we were getting ready to watch a movie, I went to the bathroom and I began to prepare drugs so that I could do a shot before we watched the movie together. And as I was preparing the drugs, I heard this still small voice again and it said, open the Bible instead. And in that moment, this thought was agonizing because what if God would actually give me the power to break this addiction? Part of me was not ready for that to happen. Yet, what would I be missing if I didn't open it in this moment? Because there was really an internal war going on. This desire to ignore that voice and to just go ahead and do the shot right there, it seemed so magnified, but I'm so thankful I listened anyway. It took all my strength, but I opened the Bible and I didn't know where I was going, like usual. I didn't know what to start with, what to read, like usual. I just opened in faith, like I would a letter someone had written directly to me. And I started reading wherever my eyes landed with this expectation that God was about to tell me something. He was about to speak to me, and he did. As I started reading, suddenly the words hit deeper, and it became alive to me. The word became living and active to me, just like the Bible talks about in Hebrews, how the word is really living and active. 
and I felt this and I felt it pierce between my soul and my spirit and I was hit with revelation as I felt God's presence for the very first time and I heard his call and I heard it by the spirit, but it was louder than audio. It was more real than anyone I had talked to, than the ground that was beneath me. And immediately in that moment, I went from the deepest darkness to the greatest light. I went from complete blindness to seeing. I went from hopelessness of being unsure about God to a living knowledge of the truth. I knew immediately more than anything I had ever known that the gospel is true, that Jesus is alive, that God sees me and he knows me and he's calling me by name. And I was like Jacob at Bethel as he showed me he had always been there even when I didn't know it. And now I knew he was always there even when I wasn't aware of it. It was like I saw outside of time in this place of his presence. In this place, eternity was there, and his presence was so tangible. I could feel his holiness, and his holiness filled this bathroom floor that I was on about to do drugs. I couldn't believe I was in his presence this way. There, there are no words to say what it's like to be in the presence of God. There is nothing that can describe what hearing the voice of God is like but you know it because it's the greatest experience that you have ever had. And all of my life, this is what I was searching for. This is what I had craved. This is what I never believed could happen to me. And it did. So extraordinary and so supernatural and so full of mystery and wonder. And I had only read a little of the Bible. That's all I did. I only read a little bit of the Bible. That's all I did. I only read a little bit of the Bible. But this veil was torn from my eyes. And what I was so unsure of was now the most sure thing I knew to be true. And it happened in such a short amount of time. I remember I thought I had only read a few pages. Maybe I had been in there for half an hour and I realized I couldn't hold it in anymore. I had to tell my dad. I had just discovered the truth that, that I had this epiphany. I had this epiphany about Christ, about everything he had told me about Christ, that I wanted to tell him that he was right about everything. And I ran out of that bathroom thinking I had only been in there for maybe 30 minutes. But when I came out, it was morning. The sun was up and he was asleep on the recliner. I had been in there since 10 or 11 the night before and he fell asleep waiting on me. And this whole night I hadn't done any drugs and God showed me this for the first time that even his tangible presence on earth is greater than time. He determines time and not the other way around. His word determines time. His word determines everything, even the natural laws that he created. And he revealed this to me many times after this. One thing that we have noticed is that no one can reach someone in a ditch like someone who used to be in a ditch. While not all of us have succumbed to the grip of a foreign substance, we were all born into this life with something worse, a nature that looks for sin or that which contradicts and even violates the God who sent us here. And while Jesus never sinned, his payment for our sin nature to give us his holy nature makes him the most appealing rescuer. Next week, the story continues as God teaches our dear prodigal and us some important lessons. We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling in your life. 
If you faithfully spend time with him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that he really loves you and he has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life life is good. God gives life. God is good.